I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Are you gay? Geeky. Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture. Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to flame on! The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Network, geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. It contains content that may not be suitable for all ages. Listener discretion is advised. All Nerdy Show podcasts are made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. Discover the many ways you can join in at nerdyshow.com. Let's get into it. Oh, yeah. And we're back from outer space, here in your face. <laughs> All right, everybody. Welcome back to RPG from Scratch. This is design episode 47. It has been two, three months yeah. since we last recorded oh, a design episode. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it, it's, the world is on fire. Also, what, what number did you say this was? 47. That's a big number. Yeah. That's a, that's a, I'm not, a, I'm not okay with that number. We're approaching the big 5-0. I can't wait. 22 episodes, we're going to have a party. 69. Oh, okay. Very I was. Nice. <laughs> it took me a second because I was like, "Are you are you trolling about the number fifty or where, where are we going?" No, I like that uh, plan too. But we should do something for our fiftieth design episode. Yes, you know um, what that thing should be? I do not hats. Festive hats. I like Damn that that idea. We can. Do we have a friend who makes hats? No, but I'll find one. Yes, we do. Well, we have a friend who can put designs on hats. Yeah. Uh, what about I have a I have a friend who's a taxidermist. Ooh, that would hey. good hats. Yeah, that would be very good hats. What if we have to catch our own hat? Oh, that, I, it, I do like that idea. It's Make a our challenge. Own. Bring it to the taxidermist. Whoever has the most unique hat at the end of the month wins. We can make our own fascinators. Mm-hmm. I like it. I'm going to the zoo. <laughs> so we got going to the orphanage. We got to address the elephant in the room. Like uh, we're recording this. It's June 13th. I have no idea. I've lost all concept June of 13th. time. It's June 13th. America is in enormous turmoil. COVID-19 is still going on. The three of us have, have practiced enough social distancing and have been reasonably safe that we can actually do this in the same room, which eliminates the enormous and frustrating te- technical difficulties we were having. Um, there is a uh, We wanted to run an isolation campaign where we're going to do it remotely and stream it over Twitch on Tabletop Simulator, and that sounded like a great idea until we tried to execute it both online during uh, <laughs> during the pandemic and offline just for testing. One small technical hookup on anyone's end, the whole thing just falls into disarray. So what we're going to try to do instead is do it uh, in person, just the three of us situated in the Casa de, uh, well, what would we call this? Here in the Lion's Den. It, it's the Forge. This yeah. is the Forge. The Forge. He, here at the Forge. The Homebrew Hotel. <laughs> so uh you can't ever leave so we're gonna keep you guys updated on that because i know a lot of people were looking forward to it ourselves included and we'll try to get that off the ground asap um but that being said how's everybody doing now doing okay i'm not sun- sunburned anymore so that's nice 
Yeah, doing great. That's good. How is uh how have you guys been faring during the isolation and quarantine? Like two pseudo breakdowns, like two like mm. I, there were definitely two nights where I'm like it's 3:30 in the morning, I can't sleep. I'm going to give myself a haircut. <laughs> just to Fair. change just to change the thing that I look at in the mirror to feel like things are happening. Mm-hmm. What about you, Max? Um just got fat and watched movies, basically. I lost weight. I have not. I've been fluctuating dramatically. Like I'll get motivated and unmotivated. Mm-hmm. But I definitely I feel the breakdown part. I, I went into probably a two month long depression that I was like actively doing everything to fight my way out of. I've been it was really tough. Justifying DoorDash by tipping well. <laughs> Fair. You know? Yeah. So I've, I've been cooking at home a lot. Yeah. Drawing, having a good time. Getting uh, getting drunk on Twitch every Thursday. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Popping tops. Uh, I really enjoy... Should we share that with the listeners? What? Is, is Adam going to be doing Poppin' Tops for a while? Uh, yeah, the plan is to continue doing that, and he wants to, rather than his Twitch channel just being him streaming video games and Popping Tops, he wants to do have four or five nights a week have a different show hosted by a different person. Oh, wow. So tonight, which listeners, you won't be able to, it won't be out before then, but local skaters like 10 years ago made a skate video called Playback, and him and Tony are going to stream it and do audio commentary on it Mm -hmm. uh, tonight, and and that's going to be Saturday night skating. I like that. And there'll be Thursday is Poppin' Tops, and then... I I ended up pitching him like seven ideas, none of them which include me, mm-hmm. but just things that people could do. I had a whole a whole thing. But I've been yeah, talking the, with the, him about running Family Feud. So if you if you guys want to check out Liam and uh, and some of our local friends, the premise behind Pop and Tops is that Adam has never drank. He was not a drinker, not a drinker. at all, and now people are recommending drinks for him on Twitch that he's trying and rating while getting hilariously drunk yes. with his friends while playing trivia games. Mm-hmm. And it's very funny. Yeah. Uh, and he, he's, a, he's a graphic designer, and he, he makes you know all kind of in, new interactive interfaces for how to rate different alcoholic beverages, and it's a good time. Man, every time I see him, it's, look what I figured out how to do on OBS. Or look look at this new program I have that interfaces with this thing. Or like, oh, I got a, he got a command station that's just a series of buttons oh, yeah, that he that could is. do with presets. And he's like, "Look what I can do! Look what I can do!" And I'm like, <laughs> it's it's he, he when he gets into a thing, he goes whole hog. He doesn't know For how to sure. stop. Oh, and there's also I don't I don't. It's remember. Bad Apple GG, right? Yep. So it's Twitch.tv/slash Bad Apple GG. Yeah. That's all one word. There's going to be a Jump Ramp discography set nice. soon. Jump Ramp, by the way, being the band that Liam is in. Yes, one of the bands. The other ones are secret. So during this time, um, Liam has been running a not recorded remote campaign that's just started uh with with some local friends bunch of which who've never played before and some of which aren't even local that's true yeah so i'm really stoked to hear because i'm not involved in any way in this other than like every once in a while i'll get messaged rules (laughs) rules questions about how things interact so i'm really interested in hearing about it like what what are people doing what's what are people playing we have a poor scoundrel step one marksman who's a mechanic uses a crossbow what race? Gelt. Oh, nice. Super fun. Called Little Cece, and the voice is just, what's her name from My Cousin Vinny? Um, Marissa Tomei. Marissa Tomei from My Cousin, like just straight. It's so much fun. <laughs> I think we have a straight champion. And the Gelt re- resembles a red panda, right? Yes. That was the idea? Okay. We have a core ice, because he wanted the armor. Mm-hmm. And then I think maybe step one champ, just damage dealer, tough guy, Rod. Then we have a guff, core radiance, step one ice. Sawbones, 
who's like a shitty doctor. Oh, nice. And it's awesome. Started doing some stuff and saying some stuff. And I was like, you're stepping on Kelton's toes. Back off a little. Um, and he's got a, he's got like a, a New York accent. Um, and then we have a Southern Bell zealotry champion who did helmet splitter and nearly did max damage. And everyone was like, whoa, what the hell? And I'm like... It's what it's there for. Yeah, it's Great. what champion does. And, and that's it was with a dagger, right? Yes. <laughs> Which is, I'm so glad. that's. She, she messaged me about like, oh, I did helmet splitter and did like 27 damage. And I was like, with a dagger? And she's like, yes. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, well, that's. Uh, just maybe seven, eight inches of steel just cutting right through a helmet. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, that's actually, it makes me glad we switched to the dice tier system. Because yes. otherwise that never could have happened. Yeah. And and people seem to be getting the dice tier system pretty well. Combat started to get flowy afterwards. I mean, the hardest part was not being sitting down to get the flow of like how right. things were going. But my, I think my favorite thing so far is the first session, we played for two hours, no combat, and people were just exploring... Mm-hmm. what was going on, the world building. There's so much that we still have to do. They were just pitching stuff. The concept of brookies messed with Kyle's head real bad. Cause, like, Dogs they, with he's hooves? Like, he's like, do they have hooves? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you feel one of the concerns that it kind of floats around while we are building this but but interacted with it more recently, the character building process, like uh-huh. in... in asking people to make the characters how much do you feel that things like profession talents and um the races and their openness like Mm -hmm. how how much do you feel like that contributes or or, or hinders towards making it easy to build a character Ooh, um i don't think anyone i didn't notice anyone deliberating having too much a problem with that other than maze and he was having trouble kind of figuring out what profession he should be to kind of go with the character mm-hmm. and then he literally just asked me well this is kind of the thing i'm going for but i don't know the name for it and it was like you're talking you're you're talking about a fixer you're a criminal fix like oh. a, a mob fixer like winston wolf yeah and then i said that and he was like oh google it you'll it it works and do you feel like now that they all have their professions and they kind of know their characters when they want to do skill checks yeah how quickly are they advocating for the skill check being part of the profession like instantly oh yeah it it happened so quickly like one of the first things that happens is they meet two guys in the back of uh the hornets pair which is a play on applebee's and as soon as they (laughs) figured that out as soon as they figured out they were like grown but they immediately saw the contract realized it was too long to physically read in a day Mm-hmm. on purpose and just skimmed it used skill checks and advocated for for having certain expertise in it based on on what their profession could do mm-hmm. and they did a really good job and no one grumbled when i said ah it's a stretch yeah no like they were like ah, i was i know i was reaching seeing what i could steal <laughs> yeah um i and things I, I still notice about the system that i love momentum is such a good way to train your players how to work together and to celebrate other people's successes. Mm-hmm. Like there's a there was a lot of positions where someone was like, ah, oh, come on, that's that's worthy of like that's momentum, yeah. baby. And I was like, oh no, you're right, I, I was missing it. Like, yeah, the, the, when players start advocating other players getting momentum, you know that you know that the cons they understand the concept perfectly. Like they're like <laughs> they're 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 very much like, hey, come on, that does it. Like, yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. yeah, you're right. And it and it's doesn't feel adversarial it's not no. it's not that this is momentum i'm missing out on it's 
they deserve it. That's one of the frustrating things. One of the things that's been, I haven't been frustrated by it, but I've been worried about frustrations. In it, I play Pathfinder, mm-hmm. and we're playing a pre-made campaign that was built for four to five people. Yeah. We're playing it with three. And as a result, all the experience is accelerated. Massive. It's huge, like it because it's being split three ways instead of four or five, and that bothers me because the if somebody was like, "Hey, do you want to add another person to the group?" I got to be like, "Oh, it's going to slow down our leveling up," and that's a dumb thing to think about. Yeah. Like, why would that? It, you never, you never. If if you're a three person mercenary group and you're good at something and you need to add an extra person, you don't learn less. Yeah, you know, like the next time you do something. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm glad that the concept of momentum is so easily adopted by everybody at the group, and everybody knows how it works and when and why. And and it frames the game differently than the, I think than other tabletop games. And it one because you can essentially earn experience through talking to people. Mm-hmm. And having fun interactions and being silly and being clever because it rewards that kind of play. They sat at a table and had a discussion over a legal document for an hour and a half, and everyone had fun <laughs> because it was just stupid jokes, asides, tangents, mm-hmm. working through stuff, figuring out what was actually going on, trying to notice things. It became the first chapter in a book, not a race to the first fight. Right. And that was really good. And then when they even entered the first fight, they were like, ooh, do we have to fight? Can we can we be d- diplomatic about it? Because they understand the concept of there's multiple ways to solve this problem. Mm-hmm. And if we can get around it without having to get punched in the face, that sounds just as good. The I'm trying to think of things that have been difficulties or hiccups. One is one of the new players just has a hard time knowing where their their lane is. Not even in combat, but in how the group works socially mm-hmm. and how character works. But that's just him being a new player. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of just, again, holes in world, world building that we've kind of had to fill in. That was like a minor difficulty. But everyone understood the races really well. The amount of things you could do with the path system like Maze gave me like seven possible characters and he's like wow which one seems like more fun and I was like you they all <laughs> and he's like and he's like are any of these bad like all right do do you think mm. some of these won't work and I was like I don't know about this one just because this thing does two things sort of okay and maybe you should do one thing well and then he gave me another he's like this one does two things really well Really well. Do this one. This is the one. <laughs> yeah, I've 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 more encountered people being excited about the wacky combo. Yeah, yeah. Without without worrying about it gimping their character, which is I've had more fun with take the shot than oh yeah most other things in combat. Take the shot is so much fun. Playing, I just commands yeah. my favorite. Oh, he's I, oh he's ice citadel. Now I just remembered he's okay. core ice step one citadel, mm. and he was like uh, he's, he picked it after. Getting through um, Wing Mob, mm-hmm. uh, Agnes's Ashes, and he was like, he was like, how much of like he listened to it, and he's like, mm-hmm. how much of a pain was Doug, and I was like, so much of a pain, oh, yeah. and he was like, I want to be worse, yeah. yeah, and he is. Core Core Ice is brutal. Like, he so slowed brutal. a bunch of dudes, warding striked a bunch of dudes, and just sat there. He d- barely did any damage, got hit constantly, mm-hmm. didn't care, and just sat there. He's like, ah, whatever. That's awesome. And he 
loved every minute of it because he knew that every time something took a swing at him and missed or or took a swing at him and set a big number that it was less for him and every moment he enjoyed it also he was constantly uh invigorated oh yeah so uh that was the thing kyle didn't know how to use the kamehameha oh (laughs) he he didn't mechanically figure out how to to use it because then he did it and then i told him how it works and he was like Ah, I should have saved that. Yeah, that was the thing that put Fricks over the top for me. Uh, oh, as 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 being just he's annoying, but if he lands just even the slightest hit after like mid combat when everybody's been fucked Boom. up, yeah, that guy's dying. Which is it in many ways you be you could say how do I balance around that? And you're like, don't. It's cool for the healer to have those moments. Yeah, yeah. like it's it's and really it's, cool. And it's also a situation where it's doubtful you'd have five four or five people go like well we're all going to be healed because there's too many options too many ways to have fun and there is something to be said about the uh, unrelenting consistency of a champion yes holy shit champion (laughs) champion with double strike yeah just just sitting back having fun and you're like what are you what are you gonna do is like i only i'm one i'm invigorated so i only have to wait till i do enough damage Mm -hmm. for everyone to for everyone to suddenly fall down because of a lightning strike <laughs> and we need to shave five or six off every damage you take oh yeah it is... that's fun and i thought that would be like the more armor is something that as we talk about items and progression it's going to have to increase yeah but whew, it's got to increase slower slow because <laughs> holy shit you... It, you know, it, it it's funny because i was like is it overpowered well yes in that wearing plate mail in reality, is overpowered if yeah. you're up against a bunch of people in loincloths. Like it's, you're going to destroy them. So, and it, but it doesn't. It doesn't feel so bad because, yeah, again, it doesn't scale the same way. You do have to make sacrifices for using it, mm-hmm. and you exist for a pretty specific purpose at that time. And it's a for certain people, it doesn't feel as rewarding. But for other people, they're like, oh, I am nigh invulnerable, and yeah. I'm like, yeah, you are. Yeah. You're you're close to being like, you're you're an F one fifty like you can go yeah. to the grocery store you're yeah. not an F ten fifty like take it up six tiles you know you're still able to do whatever you want yeah you're basically the the idea that there is a certain satisfaction when the GM is like all right there's a demon with a giant two handed axe yeah. he stands forty stories tall and you're like all right uh and he's swinging his axe down you're like that's for me I'll take yeah. <laughs> I'll take that one. That I can I can handle that one. That's that's very satisfying. If you're Tectonic too, also remove half of that. Yeah, once per encounter. Uh, okay, so that's awesome. I'm so stoked to hear more about this as it progresses and and people get into it. I want to talk about the thing that is still most nebulous to me, which will stay nebulous until we codify uh, the the specific rules around it or rituals. The cosmos, I got it. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of nebulas in the cosmos. Um, no, is the is the rituals. Mm-hmm. We threw around different ideas of like how many rituals a group should get. Um, it should scale with the amount of players or scale up if they have fewer players. I actually, I start, I'm starting to think that that's not true because I think rituals, no matter what, are as powerful. No matter In how any many people, situation. Yeah. So maybe we could say you pick three first level rituals or maybe, maybe two first level, one second level. Although we need to figure out how many levels there are. Yeah, well, and also, should it be limited to scribe and intellectual professions? Or I guess not, because even rangers could learn basic nature yeah. rituals and have that not be weird. Yeah, and and really, what we've found is that people kind of want to pick the things that go with their characters already. Yeah, yeah, they 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 like getting into that. So 
Well, let's just say three for now. Like every group gets three because it's just as powerful for seven people to have three rituals mm-hmm. as it is for three people. And who knows them is also not important. No, it's not. You'll, if, one, if one of you knows it, effectively all of yes. you know it for the purposes of the game. But you'll role play out how it gets done. Yeah. But I was thinking, what about in combat rituals? Okay. Like if you start, like uh, think of Beetlejuice. Yes. Remember the, the, the end scene in Beetlejuice where they're all, all trying to say his name? Yes. And if just one person gets off the third one, they send him back. You know, stuff like that, where they're they're actively engaged in a confrontation, and all three of them are participating in a ritual, trying mm-hmm. to get it off, and it's difficult. Something like that could be a lot of fun, I think, because um, it doesn't like you don't have to make it centered around one person performing anything. And it and if you're in combat, a slight change, just a, like a very very slight change to something, can have a huge impact. Like if you just give one person the ability to walk on the wall yeah yeah just one person your whole group could be working towards making that happen and that's a that's a big deal because if that if if you have four players and you're in a cathedral and people are behind barricades and you and three of you are doing a ritual mid-combat to trying to make it so your marksman can walk up the wall that is going to have a dramatic overwhelmingly oppressive impact on combat so and be flavorful as hell it's so good so let's start there i that's when i was just spitballing walking on walls that sounds fun what would be a let's let's use that as a template then yeah all right how many actions would it take for for you to pull that off would it be your whole i I think it has to be three individual combat actions well, let's think about it in terms of if one person, let, let's say any yeah. of these could be done by one mm-hmm. person, but anybody can take a portion of it and use it, mm-hmm. right? So what if it's a full turn, right? So you've got swift action, move action, combat action. Okay. Got to be it. And you can split it up? You can split it up. So maybe wall walking is a little too powerful for that. Yeah. So what's what's a small thing like that? Maybe give somebody a dark vision for one round or... Oh, I, I think rituals also should be able to be maintained. Yes. That should always be part of it. Ooh, it would suck if you not didn't maintain the wall walking yeah. ritual. Yeah, if you get knocked unconscious. Mm-hmm. But the whole thing is you only need one person in your group to do one thing once a turn mm-hmm. to get it going. So, oh, so wait, marksmen could maintain it once it's begun. Yeah. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. But if they need to do an extra thing and be like, you you got to do whatever prayer, say whatever, ch- like mm-hmm. keep the chant going while it's happening. You can You can switch off and if someone has to do something, but you could always run the risk of oh, man. not being able to do it. I'm just seeing the branching out from here of like automated rituals, you know, tinkering, all kinds of things. Well, then let's think of it. Let's think of it by the number of full turns. Okay. So, so that'd be the scale of difficulty for the ritual, right? Yeah. You can break up the full turn. Anybody can take any portion. Mm-hmm. Let's say if, if something costs two full turns yeah. worth of actions, you can split that up however you want until it's complete and and people will be like okay well i didn't use my swift action so i'll take one of the swifts right now and or i'm then, not gonna move like i have no reason to move exactly this so i'll take the move action and that that is fun i think that's that could be a very fun way to up the complexity while keeping everybody on the same page it's very flavorful a lot of role play and well and it reinforces something that we're trying to already put in gameplay that i think we're already succeeding at which is cooperation party cohesion and, mm-hmm. and unity and the idea that you're not a bunch of just, unless you are a bunch of pirates, but you're not just a bunch of pirates who are there together for no reason, that you are there to accomplish goals, perform tasks, and exist inside of a narrative as not a single entity, but at least a cohesive unit. Mm-hmm. 
And there should be roles associated with this, uh, like dice rolls. I yeah. Mean. So so maybe we leave it so that the dice rolls only happen on combat actions, right? Okay. I like that. So so there's there's something you have to do to use the other two actions, but then like you'd be like, I'll do the move action, I'll say the chant. And then our sorcerer is going to do that composition, the composure check yeah. on its turn, you know. Or the ritual casting check. Exactly. If, if that's part of their. And the nice thing, and, and the interesting thing now is that if we make it this way, somebody can just be a wizard outside of the paths that they have. They can pick rituals and they can spend their turns casting these rituals without anyone else's help. Which and be... being whatever path. Exactly. Just thinking Citadel standing there doing rituals. You can't stop me. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> try to interrupt. I'm me. gonna keep doing this. And difficulty should be well, you know what? How about just you're doing these in combat, the risk should be the actions that you lose, right? Well that's definitely yeah. part of it, yeah. Right. So so do we increase the difficulty based on the combat? I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll keep the rituals small enough. And they sh- they shouldn't do damage. It's, no. it's it should never it should never be a damage thing. So that way we don't have to worry about the boons, banes, and yeah. Yeah. movement changing so, things is good. So let's think about let's just use wall walking then as yeah. a as a example. I think that is that can be so powerful. What if that takes two full turns? I'm saying three, baby. Three. I'm saying three for wall walking. Three. I'm, I'm saying three. I'm saying you. It shouldn't. It should take a significant amount of the people in your party to do it in a single turn. It should be more than half. If you're running a four person group, three people just need to sit there and go, okay. Well, I'm thinking three's a lot. I'm just thinking that kind of hits the scaling of when we get something big. Then is it going to take ten turns? Yeah. It's going to take. I think. I think two. Two sounds good. Because remember, we have a difficulty on finding them, too. Uh-huh. So, and you, the number of combats where you're going to be able to use it are actually pretty limited. True. If you're going to use it in combat, you're going to use it other places, it's great. So, I don't know. Because Okay, so let's say you got a three-person party. All right. If it's two turns, it might take it might take two full rounds to pull off. Yeah. And that's a long time in combat. Like, yeah. <laughs> two, two rounds of combat is... is a lot of shit has happened. Everybody has to maintain the parity. Like if if somebody if if it goes around without a portion of it being it restarts, it resets. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm I'm thinking two only because like if we go three, a three person party will never use it ever. Yeah. Never okay. ever. But there are things where we could say like, okay, well, it takes eleven swift actions. You know, <laughs> you could be like that could be a fun thing. Somebody's like, okay, you know what? I'm not. I'm just gonna do three. I'm just that's my turn. I'm doing three of them. Yeah. Oh. So maybe we'll break them down like that: the number of swift actions, the number of uh, move actions, and then we can just we can bullshit. I say bullshit. We, yeah. we can write what those actions actually yeah. are. You know, these things need to happen. And, uh, and I and I think the but the thing that should determine whatever the tier the level should be the amount of combat like the amount of attack actions that are replaced is a, is going to be a good way to really code like yeah. cuz 11 swift actions is not the same as one attack action it's true but 3 shuts down like so if if everybody's like okay each of us is taking a swift action you will never cast that spell somebody's got to sacrifice yeah. their combat actions you know should it be like the way to range it be like okay well this takes combat actions yeah, no, I I do think that that like, that's a good way to do it. Like to to say, well, let, let, so two full two full yeah. turns is a swift action, a move action, a combat action, right? Yeah, uh, and then double it. So we would say, okay, to do this ritual, 
it takes two swift actions. Somebody must do this and somebody must do that. It takes two move actions. Somebody must perform this motion and then somebody yeah. must perform this motion. And then two attack actions. Somebody has to say the words, invoke, do whatever. Throw throw a thing on the ground and spit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so just, just things like that. Also, I think it'd be fun where some rituals can be done in any order. Some rituals have to be done in a very specific order. Yeah. I think the swift action ones have to be in specific order, yeah. right? Like, and with the hardest ones end with a combat action, you know, like they have to be. So I don't think wall walking is something that needs to be done in a specific order. No, you I, just, you do, you do a number of things. Mm-hmm. Someone just gifted that. I was just thinking 11 swift actions and then you kill an enemy and that death unleashes the. That could be cool. And maybe an enemy will have had to have died in this time so then like you get somebody almost near death and you're dragging them around for the rest of the ritual <laughs> which which sounds ridiculous but you would totally do that yeah. like if you're trying to pull off a crazy yeah. death ritual like i have this ritual but it needs one full person of blood yeah. so... <laughs> we got a whole one right here he's like yeah and we, and we want it to keep and i don't want to drain them yeah, yeah. It's very Aztec. Well, it, uh, to me, it actually sounds like just what they used to do on Navy ships. They're like, oh, we'll just bring cows and some hay. Why? He's like, beef on the move, baby. Beef on the move is my uh, prog rock band. Uh, beef on the move is what's tattooed on my taint. <laughs> Galapagos sea turtles have one gallon of fresh water inside of them. Mm-hmm. Also a good thing for boats. Okay, I like that. So let's say wall walking. How long does it last? One, I think two rounds. It's got to be I, worth it. I think I think one round, and it requires a maintenance of a swift action. See, I was going to say move. Ooh, okay. That's good. I was going to say move, because like, you can either move and do the move action to maintain it. Somebody else can do the move action for you to maintain it, you know, and yeah. it'll last until their next turn. Because you're basically, at that point, you're getting one shot on the wall. And are you then climbing 30 feet up the wall in your move action? I guess that's not so bad. How about um, you have to be within sight of the person maintaining it? I like that, too. Because yeah. then you could do it yourself, but um, it, somebody can maintain it for you as long as they're willing to spend their move action to do so. <laughs> I like to think you walk 30 feet up the wall, you shoot, and the next person misses in their concentration, and then you just fall those 30 feet back down yeah. the wall. And it, So the move action is like a, a, a chant and like a stomp or something, and yeah. then that way your character will have heard them maintain it, so you... You don't have to do it. Okay. And and like a lot of magic works in the way that we say it, it won't suddenly run out with you not knowing. You will know. And even before the, the, the physical action happens, right? you're aware that it is waning. Well, I think you'd probably feel yeah. gravity catching up to you a little bit. Like it just, like, it just yeah. there we go. Okay. I got it back. Did we just make barbershop quartets really powerful? In our world? <laughs> uh, we, yes. we just invented a way to make bards be a thing without them having to be a thing it's true which i'm actually happy about yeah, it's been my like, goal this whole time i i am very much into the idea of providing certain buffs just because your whole party is chanting something and being terrifying mm-hmm. so let's think of an what's another i would say that's a level one ritual okay right but it's rare yeah could you expand the effects of like the marsh or the kind of thing where you put a zone of deny a zone of decay or whatever? Huh. That's a that's an interesting idea. That. Like uh it's something local to the area. So like if you're if you're on a marble floor, it feels like you're walking through rubble. If you are if you're in a marsh, the you know, vines are tripping you up. If you know, something if, something if like that. If you're in if you're in the desert, 
the sand is sticking to you in a weird way that you yeah. don't like. And it's not maybe it's illusory. It's not real, but it has the same effect. Yeah. Yeah. Um that sounds like something that would only take one full turn. Yeah. You know, and maybe it only lasts for one round. If you want to do it again, you got to spend your whole turn again to do it. I like that. I like that too. What, what would we call that? Just like um quagfoot. Yeah. <laughs> something like that. Caltrop cantrip. Tanglefoot. Tanglefoot. Tanglefoot's good. Works for me. We change it later if we don't like it. Now, maybe um, if two people cast it, the area gets bigger. Yeah, something like that. So yeah, so we could just say it's a it's a burst three, radius three, per caster. Maybe you add you add an extra if you add an extra one. Yes, that's, that's a lot. So we'll say it increases by one uh, if you have somebody else spend a spend an spend just an attack action to augment it. Yeah. Now, battle chant baby, we need a battle chant. Yeah, what would a battle chant do though? Like what's the effect? Um I don't I don't want to add to damage. I don't want to add to hit. Um reduces dodge or armor? No. Mm. I, I I think this should be a it should be a bolstering effect. Oh, I thought this was a negative effect against your enemy. No. Okay. No, no. This is you're going to battle, you're all singing together. So this it's like is a this is keeping your yeah, this is getting you pumped. Okay. This is your pump up jam. Or even or even just like a, a quick march. Like you you can sing a song together, it makes you move faster. Because you just don't feel as tired. Well then let's let's have it do both. Let's have it increase movement speed by one. Okay. That might be enough. That's really powerful. That's already good. Yeah. Let's what was your second idea, though? The second idea was was your first successful hit does it increases the dice tier by one. Ooh, I think those should be two separate things. Well, I just they're both very good, right? But it, it the they're both very good. But the movement speed thing you can keep going, yeah. And because it calls out your first hit, you can't keep that going. Yeah, it's only the first one. So so a battle chant. Takes a while to yeah. get into the the mood, right? But I yes. think it only takes swift actions. Yes. So we could say it takes uh, what's three turns of swift actions? Nine. Okay. Nine swift actions, but everybody's got to be into it, you know? Every, like, I, and I well, nine swift actions and to gain the boon, mm-hmm. you have to have at least spent one. Yeah. In that time. you have to be spending. You ha- yeah. You have to be involved in the chant. So that's your first hit after. It's been cast. Yeah, after after those nine have been spent, everybody needs to maintain it yeah. to keep that movement speed bonus up. Yeah. And and you need to be maintaining the battle chant as you do your first strike. But once everybody's gotten it, and you're like, all right, we're already in the shit. We don't need more movement yeah. speed. You don't have to maintain it anymore. That's cool. And it's loud. You're not going to... Like, it has to be loud enough yeah. to be heard. You can't be, like, sneaking and going faster no. through... But in the whole thing is that also has a really fun out of combat use already. Just for we we move one sixth faster on on roads and mm-hmm. only on foot though. Yeah, like you, you does you, not work if on, you're on horseback on brookies. It's not gonna do anything. It's just gonna scare the brookies. Don't spook the brookies. I'm just oh I like that, but I'm just thinking about spook bards. the brookies is my prog rock band. <laughs> <laughs> just bards now, like yep. If there's a way you could figure out a machine to do part of the ritual for you. You know, tech wizards. That is so McGargle. Yeah. <laughs> you show up and you like pull the ripcord. And... That's my my spoke book. <laughs> no, no. I just imagine. <laughs> I imagine him with an organ grinder and like loudspeakers going like, I figured out a thing. 
This plays the trooper. <laughs> uh, okay. Like March attacks where the heads are just... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Country music was the way to defeat the aliens. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, but uh, I kind of want to talk for a second about Doomsday Preppers. Okay. On the recorder? Uh, uh, you know... Sure. Because um, <laughs> I'm, I'll talk about that all day. Yeah. So I get a little um, frustrated. I don't know. I would say confused. Okay. About these doomsday preppers who spend all their time learning all these bushcraft skills or buying and stockpiling a lot of weapons and they're, they're out of shape and they wouldn't be able to walk up a hill, you know, like like with gear mm-hmm. on. Like the militias where you see a bulletproof vest being stretched yeah. to its very limits by some guy. Yeah, you you wing somebody. Yeah, I, that's that that that's funny. The um, I remember somebody posted this study about how fat people are more likely to survive a gunshot wound. And it's like, well, yeah, but they're also more likely to be hit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they're they're more likely to catch a bullet in somewhere that's not vital. Whereas it would have missed somebody else. You're also way more likely to die of like 90 other things. Of, yeah. So. And of also, the things that mostly kill people now. And also for, for uh, patrons, if this is on the cutting room floor, uh, we're fat. Like, like, yeah. like let's, like, we're, 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 th- we're not saying them or us. Like, this, this is. I, I, I will say, like, on, on the edge of fat, though. Like, we're not. I'm, I mean, I'm clinically obese, you know? I definitely skated into it. In this past four months, yeah, it's uh, I lo- I lost weight. That's you look. You're looking good, actually. Mm. I have just been uh, hanging out. I got to, I got I got to control what I ate more than when I you know yeah. was busy all of the time, and now I'm back on it, and I hate it. I'm eating garbage again. But I was thinking, if doomsday happens, yes, for most doomsday scenarios, people are just talking about the American government failing. Yeah, right. Well, at least in America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But like, what's what's a in our system? We've got real doomsday scenarios. Yes, like they're they they're layered on top of each other. And like, if you weren't killed by the comet that came in or the the meteorite that hit, mm-hmm. what does prepping for that doomsday look like? I imagine they all start to look the same. Like they yeah. all start to look very similar. You just need to learn how to forage. You have to have decent cardiovascular health. So cardio, cardio for sure. Mm-hmm. But also community. Yeah. Like that is going to be the number one. Well, that's the, the, you ever hear the genetic bottleneck theory? Yeah. Yeah. The, the 10,000 people. Yeah, with the 10,000 people. But it's the thing 
the thing that everyone keeps bringing up is like communal burial ritual mm-hmm. artifacts become incredibly more common immediately after it. So the people who survived weren't the meanest, toughest, biggest fuckers. It was the people who looked after people and the people who were able to organize better. Those are the people who survived. Dies the fire. And yeah, dies <laughs> dies of Sterling. I fucking love that. Dies of Fire series is about an uh, apocalypse, and all the preppers are immediately killed because they have all the supplies, exactly, and everything else. Like Everyone. you're not stockpiling supplies is that's a dead end, yeah. right? So you stockpile supplies. You've got one, two years to uh, to use them, figure it out, and then you got no more supplies. Yeah. So the reason the reason brings up is I was I was thinking about what was the uh, Spalding Spalding thank you Spalding the character you, you you came up with and if we start to see so many of these resets in our system mm-hmm. then we probably start seeing something similar like to the genetic bottleneck like like yeah. you're talking about but what's the first thing that happens afterwards the people who survive a doomsday mm-hmm. how do they survive and I think it's not through stockpiling ammunition no. or canning food although that's a very that's a valuable skill if you want to have food safe food that you can transport yeah. without refrigeration and, and giving yourself an amount of time to get good at a set of skills that you've only that you haven't done in that situation exactly. is useful but also i don't think like would tom hanks have survived that island not if he stockpiled he had to learn how to fish yeah yeah you know? He had to learn how to make rope. He had to. He had to become. He had to. An inv- uh, he had to invent someone to talk to to stay centered. Yeah, not sane, but centered. He had to create a fake community to yeah. keep himself motivated. I think community is a huge, yes. huge point of any any survival like that. If, especially for humans, the thing that wants community and to tear it apart more than anything else. So the concept of a go bag, I think, is short sighted and strangely i think it's primarily based uh, based in fiction right because like doomsday scenario bad shit's happening the first thing you do isn't go roaming around no you don't you don't just start traveling that's i mean you you could say like okay all the uh because of radioactive fallout the water here is bad so let's get out yeah. but you're going to you're going to be with a group like mm-hmm. and you're going to be trying to help each other also if the water is bad the water isn't actually bad. There's particulates. Like, water mm-hmm. itself doesn't become radioactive. The particulates do. And building a filtration system for it is easier than most people think. Yeah, and it's also vital <laughs> if you're yeah. going to survive. You're going to have to do that eventually anyway. It's just, uh, I don't know. So first of all, doomsday prepping is fun. I think that's the, that's a thing that probably gets overlooked. People are trying to pitch it as being practical, and it's not. But it is fun. Well, <laughs> it's fun to imagine scenarios, and it's fun to build a bunker. That's what I'm saying. When you were eight years old in the woods, what did you do with your buddies? Exactly. You, you built s- a bunker because yeah. it was cool. Well, and there's, I think there's a, an amount of smugness you get from it, too. Like, mm-hmm. I think I think it's a the same reaction for people who, who get eco-friendly things that on the scale that we're actually doing it doesn't matter at all in the long, long right. run at all. But there's a smugness you get from, like, no, I but I know the little secret that nobody else is really digging into. And that's that's interesting for the the Spaldings caches, right? That yeah. you talked about. I'm trying to think of the things where this wouldn't be like where people who survive the apocalypse don't just fall into the same pattern of okay, come together, 
figure the new stuff out. Oh, all trade routes are broken. Okay, so we're going to figure out new things. Like, it's, it always will go back to community. It doesn't come down to this nomadic Mad Max no. No. ever. Like, those people are needed to a community well, sometimes? Well, also, they would probably end up existing because people would become separated from communities and yeah. then not be able to re-enter one. Yeah. And also, like I, I said, nomadic Mad Max style. Like, yeah. nomads aren't that no they're not they're not solitary at all they are they are a huge support network yeah so but let's look at like the postman okay no man you're famous (laughs) yeah that's my that's one of my favorite cameos in anything he's like hey man you used to be famous like yeah i used to be so for listeners the postman is a post-apocalyptic novel where uh max's favorite actor uh kevin costner and and one of my favorite songwriters Tom, Tom Petty, Petty meet each other. <laughs> meet each other, and Tom Petty is Tom Petty is Tom Petty. Yeah, it's he not. He's not playing an. He's not playing a character. He just is Tom Petty, who runs a what a dam, yeah, a dam city, a dam city. He's just mayor of a dam city. It's uh, it's so goofy, and I love. I it. mean, I'd vote. I would have voted for. Him I would have voted for Tom Petty. Yeah, yeah for he had sure. a good platform, but <laughs> his platform don't, was the yeah. dam. It was like the platform was <laughs> don't die. <laughs> I like that idea. But, I just mean like if you are separated from another community and someone comes in with news, mm-hmm. you're gonna let that person yeah. in. Like that nomad is gonna be a huge system, like you said, with trading and the the. But it, it's like they're not nomads in the sense that nomads actually were. They're they're like Ronin almost. Yeah, you yeah. know, like it's never been a human problem to walk a thousand miles to make a profit on something. Right. Like people think the proclaimers know that very yeah, well, yeah. but yeah. even more five times. Well, that. they did it for love. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, just to fall down. They are, uh, the postman's interesting because the premise is that he was not a postman and yeah. he just found a bag of mail. And like the value of that bag of mail, it made him a leader, even though. And a legend. Yeah, and a legend, just, just for no other reason than he brought one community news. And then they're like, bring more. Keep going. Let's yeah. let's get this going. So, but it, in that, that's a perfect example of the moment this happened. Yeah, there were people who were on their own, who were murderers and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But the people who survived and thrived were all in communities that that worked together. So, maybe instead of thinking a ton about the end point of the cultures that got wiped out for each era, mm-hmm. we can think of like what immediate steps did these guys take. That led them to become the the rising power. Yeah, and then that will determine what artifacts made it. You know, when they got wiped out. Mm-hmm. My favorite post apocalypse like moment is like 400 BCE when Rome was like, uh, "We got to go back to Rome." So everyone in Britain and France just do what you can. <laughs> you know, can you imagine having the Roman Empire and then it's just not there anymore? No, that is no. I, no, I can't imagine that. It's terrifying. Yeah. So people are like, "Oh well, apocalypse hasn't happened." I'm like, "It's happened a bunch of times to a lot of people." The mm-hmm. Bronze Age collapse was yeah. ridiculous. The Mongols. Yeah. Oh yeah. The like the, they, they the, were an the catastrophe. The the writings Christian people who did writings thought they were literally the armies of Gog and Magog sent to wipe out all humanity because they did. They just wiped yeah. out yeah. all humanity. Well, they're like five foot tall on a horse. Never getting off the horse, so you're like, is that a person or is that just? Is that a centaur? Yeah, a centaur that that shoots arrows out of its mouth. That's terrifying. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just ruined my sleep for the foreseeable future. So we, we got, got a new to... enemy. <laughs> we got a new monster. You know, we got some historical points to look at if we're looking for how societies come back yeah. together after something devastating. Yeah, well, well, China. I mean, we'll think about China after that, right? Yeah, constantly. In China. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, trading, um, trading empires get uh, get set up quickly. 
former like former cultures that have a strong natural hier- hierarchical situation mm-hmm. reform faster and uh and anarchist hill hill people and i don't mean anarchist in like yeah the way we think of anarchy as a political chaos yeah. But, yeah but the the anarchist hill people who are like oh we don't what do you mean rules and like well how do you guys do things be like we just aren't mean to each other as yeah, a thing yeah. the mean guy dies usually yeah we like eating food and this makes it a lot easier yeah so mm. we just make up we make we try to make enough food for everybody and sometimes we don't and that's bad so there's a book i read that was very similar to postman and very very good uh called uh, lucifer's hammer where a, a comet comes too close to the earth and and it's chunks that break apart as it approaches the sun uh, a bunch of them hit the earth and everything just gets reset basically but again community is the yeah. is the thing that saves the day almost always and i know that's fiction mm-hmm. but we can't think of a single reason why that wouldn't be true no no and then the mythology and everything that comes from that what was um the story about the monk after the apocalypse like catholicism just starts putting monks everywhere again i don't know i can't think of the name of the story it's famous but i've told you to read it before we've talked about it on okay mm-hmm. oh oh you're talking about um canical for libel. Yes. that story is amazing about how society puts the pieces back together yeah, three apocalypses happen in yeah. that book, and it comes back to the same, uh, well, very, very similar but different things. But then it gets real, real woo-woo uh, towards the end. But it's, it's fun. It's a fun yeah. book. All right, so I, I kind of wanted to put that bat in your guys' belfry in terms of— That be of in my bonnet? Just because the it, it's a different framework for how we think of where these civilizations come from. Instead of what kind of artifacts do we want them to find, so what would that mean about who they were? Let's think of— how did they survive, mm-hmm. and what does that imply? Let's let's just let's just at least knock one out. I think the the Savathians were very Athenian, right? Yeah, very Grecian. I uh, think, but in maybe in a larger context, where it, well, I think our original concept was they were the Atlantis, basically. Yes, right. So so high magic, high technology together. And, uh, and, but but they're not laborers. They have an under a working underclass yeah. of primordial sentient races. Yeah. So yeah, that's I think how they survived. First of all, they were it's they they had an island. Yeah. Right. So whatever affected whatever shut down everyone else, just gave them a pass, which allowed them to get really far ahead of everyone else, and uh, and, and then rule through force. Yeah. It's like the British Empire almost. Yeah. So okay, I, I like that. Um, let's get let's get on to step six. It's Give me six steps. Yeah, give me six steps. Definitely going to have to have a fun fallen trade empire. That wouldn't even have to be, like, I would like there to be a Bronze Age collapse of, like, in in the recent yeah. calamities, there was a weird, even, like, Golden Age run where there were a bunch of really great empires and they realized like, oh, war sucks. You know what's really better? Trade. Trade is so good. I like it. You know what's an easy uh, step? Well, I was going to say an easy way to, to, to say why the Savathians got far ahead and why they were the one that was spared the setback of everyone else is maybe there was a flood. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. they breathed underwater. That would <laughs> that would do it. Yeah. Like it's, And they would also be able to do any, any relics that were still submerged. They could just go oh. get but in, well, it could even be a thing where they lived primarily underwater. There was a flood. The floodwaters receded and, in fact, exposed their island mm-hmm. to the surface for the first time in in 
several thousand years, and they're like, oh, I guess we live on the land now because we already built all these buildings, and we're not moving them. Yeah. yeah, we could be there. Yeah, whatever. No big easy, deal. Easy peasy, man. I like. I really like that idea. <laughs> but fact, it's, al- it's also harder to move things above above water. Yeah. So we're gonna need some people to do that for us. Oh yeah. But hey, all those people also breathe air, which we have now. Just the giant crab monsters and stuff. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, and that's the thing. They had predators in the giant monsters under the under the ground. It exposes their island to the air. They and suddenly they can't they want to hang an, out. It's an like, oasis. Win win yeah. baby. Let's get into step six. We've got uh, six paths we can mm-hmm. we can do. We've got champion, command, marksman, radiance, scoundrel, and zealotry. Um, do you want to take the hard one? Always. Scoundrel. Hey, then I think sco- I think scoundrel is the, the the one that's that's getting harder to do. Interesting. Okay. Let's do because they're they're a toolbox, right? Like that's their yeah. They've got just tricks and tricks and tricks. Let's see, scoundrel. Okay, so let's quick rundown. Scoundrel has venoms. They they have combat tricks where they sweep the leg. They they can dodge people. They can throw pocket sand and blind people. They're they can quick draw. They mm-hmm. can build traps. Uh, more venoms. Could we start putting bullfighter stuff into that? No, like matador. Yeah, mad like I, if anything, I'm that's, actually that's what Venom Strike is. Yeah. You know? Well, I just mean like you got the cape, the big guy's no. running at you, you move, and all of a sudden your champion's behind him with a spear. We have that actually. Yeah, yeah. we call it tag out, and uh, as a move action, you swap places with an adjacent ally. I just want more Bugs Bunny. Oh, yeah, this scoundrel. <laughs> Bugs Bunny might be a great like yes, like a, 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 a reference point. He's a scoundrel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was I was actually thinking if we're looking for a defensive thing, I would love to make a. An ability that is defensive for scoundrels that requires multiple opponents in your face. Hmm. That in a situation where there's multiple opponents in their face, they actually have more options. That's interesting. I don't know. I feel like we're stepping on champions' toes a little bit. There. Maybe. Um, unless they're non-damaging options. Oh no! They, yeah, no. This would be a. This would mm-hmm. be a. I slam two guys together and I get out. Maybe like. Uh, tie their shoes together, that kind of thing. No, I mean figuratively. Yes. Like th- but that's no, a, I, I, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah, that's a yeah. that's a fun thing. Uh, oh, maybe like some kind of bolo, a ranged Ooh, attack. I like that. You know. Yeah. Okay, so they've got underhanded, where it it gives them uh, they can crit on one, two, and twenty with piercing, or Damn. one and twenty with non-piercing. On guard, uh, you make a basic attack, and if that target makes an attack action at mm-hmm. all, you get another attack. Uh, and smoke bomb. How many traps do they have? Let's see. Another trap would be great. Another right? trap would be great. Another poison is an idea because we can always throw those in, and they they don't even have to be really that great. Like it's just more like mm-hmm. if it's more if a more options thing, that's fine. They get they have a damage trap which uh-huh. just deals damage, a snare trap where it knocks them down, and a spell trap mm-hmm. where you load a spell into it and do it. So I, I like the bolo idea. Yeah. Maybe an attack action. Mm-hmm. Throw bolo. it. You can you can immobilize somebody for from range. Round. Yeah, I'd say five. Like it's not. You can't throw it ten. You know, because you're you're throwing it with your hand. You're not like firing uh-huh. it out of something. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I like that. Okay, bolo. What does it do? Just immobilizes. Just immobilizes. Yeah. All right. Cool. Does it does it knock them flat? So instead of immobilizing them, it knocks. Would them that flat. be a roll? I th- oh a roll. I think it would be a roll. Yeah. So it immobilizes them no matter what, as mm-hmm. long as it hits. And it knocks them flat, but but they have to make a dexterity, dexterity check, dexterity to check. stay standing. Yeah, 
Well, you have to beat their dexterity defense. Yes. And it would obviously be a creature their size. Yeah. Oh, so how about this? You make an attack roll, a distance of five. Um, If that attack roll... Five feet or five squares? Five feet? Five squares. Five squares? Yeah. How about three squares? They're throwing it. Yeah, but the... 15 15 feet is a long way to throw a bolo, man. But I think if you're... Getting a force. All right. It. Yeah. I, the, the reason the reason I think five is because then three limit. Like you're trying to keep somebody from fleeing. That's true. And it just won't come up as often. Yeah. If it's three. Okay. So you make an attack roll, range attack roll. If it hits, they're immobilized. If that attack roll exceeds their dexterity defense, they're knocked flat. Done. Yep. That way it's just one roll and you get to. But it is a creature their size or smaller, right? I don't think so. No. Can you bolo an elephant? Yes, yeah. absolutely. And in, in fact, that's a really great way of taking care of a creature larger than. But you. I'm just wondering. No, I, I like that. I'm just wondering. When I think of a bolo, I think of maybe something that's a foot long. No, are, are we? Aren't they like three to three or more? Yeah, are they? I yeah. think so. I've only seen small ones. No, but I'm wondering. <laughs> one one. This I I think I think. I think you can make a bolo that's like two and a half feet. Yeah, you have three of them. It would have. It, Man, I'm just saying. I'm fine with it. I'm the happy. way you get rid of ATATs, yeah, my yep. dude. He's going for the legs. It's I true. just love the idea of like a cast net. You know, he's got oh yeah, it, yeah. So he's got it in his teeth, and he's just spinning. You know, it would be interesting. So the, I think the the way to get around this problem is that you can just say that creatures over a certain side size just can't just be can't immobilized. Be. Yeah, like you can't. Um, your 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 frost spell is and it not going work, to stop it. It doesn't work on uh, snakes. Right, nothing without legs. How about that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and and and, and <laughs> probably like, without legs. I we we haven't made an official size chart, but like, lo- like large and smaller creatures, it just does it does it pretty well. Yeah, and when it gets too big, yeah, all it does is wrap around one leg, and it's like what? F- like fuck you. If it it has to have legs. If, yeah. If yeah. if you're fighting a giant slug and you wrap the bowl around his neck, it it doesn't care. Yeah. I what mean, it, it it probably it. Probably it's annoying. not happy. It doesn't feel good. What if it's a snake with arms but no legs? Uh, Can you no. bolo the arms? Um, I think you would treat it as a rope. Yeah. Because also if it's on their hands, they're just going to slip out of it. Whereas around the feet, they trips them up while they're running. Because yeah. if you weren't running and somebody boloed your feet, you just step out. You know, yeah. <laughs> it wouldn't be. All right. So, okay, I like that. What do we call that? Just bolo? Bolo, baby. Yeah. Bolo vos revenge. <laughs> All right, so we have we have a bolo. We've got. Um, Want to do a trap? Let's do a trap. Let's let's give them one new trap. Okay. So, well, actually, before we do a trap, you already talked about the idea of if multiple people are in your mm-hmm. face, you got options. So, what's a fun? Let's say you're adjacent to three enemies. Mm-hmm. Okay, what do you want to do as a uh, you want to escape. Scoundrel. You're 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 trying to slip out, mm-hmm. and you're mm-hmm. using the the lack of coordination between those three individuals to to gain a movement advantage. How about redirecting a strike? Ooh, I like that. I was thinking if like you lay down a rake, then when they step they on step, it, they get smacked. In the that's face. the damaging trap. We've yeah. already got that. Right, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. It's just a rake. It's um, that's that's. Uh, Sideshow side bobbing. Yeah. yeah. So let's do. <laughs> I kind of like a redirection. Maybe a, yeah. me, uh, a, a per scene. I like that. And do we treat it as a. It has to be utility, right? Because it's immediate reaction. Yeah. 
Once per scene, you can redirect a melee attack. I will say a physical attack. I think you should be able to to uh, arrows and okay. So how about it doesn't even have to be physical. Yeah. So so any any targeted attack. I don't know about magic though. Well, because like if an ice thing is coming, out I of guess you, it's like yeah, it's still a physical fireball. Object. You know. Yeah. So we'll say once per scene, you can you can attempt to make. So how you do it is you make an attack roll mm-hmm. against the uh, the incoming attack, and if it if it meets or exceeds what they rolled, yeah then you can redirect it into an adjacent enemy. Has to be adjacent. Yes. Cuz that's Cuz you're not aiming that far. Yeah. You're and you're just you're just trying to get the you're trying to head fake the adjacent enemy to take it for you basically. <laughs> uh so it's like gun kinda. Yeah. Kinda. But only once per scene. Yeah. yeah. All right, I like that. That's two down. We got the the range bolo, we've got the the redirection. And the redirect is I love the redirect as an offensive defensive tool do we want to make it once per scene because i feel like you almost want to it'd be fun to do that multiple times it would but the fact that you also don't take damage makes that real good like the like what what like the way it's set up now what do you think the percentage chance of not having something hit you how about now this this is i don't know if this is too powerful and i just want to say it out loud once per round, but you can't make opportunity attacks. Oh, it uses round. it uses up your opportunity attack slot. Yeah. We'll say as an opportunity action, you can do Ooh. this. That I like that. Um, that suddenly doesn't sound too broken. Because because now we're talking step six now, scoundrel. Yeah, that's that's huge. If we give it to him, well, it's it's. I also like it because it that adds a level of survivability. If you choose to just do that, mm-hmm. that is pretty crazy. So, so we could say, we could make it limiting by saying, because like right now, opportunity attacks are if you have a two-handed weapon, you get one. If mm-hmm. you have if you have a weapon in each hand, you get two. And if you're if, and there are ways to get more, yeah. right? But we can say with this ability, if you use this, you get no None. more, no more opportunity. Your options. offhand doesn't do anything anymore. Yeah, yeah. just for that round, not yeah. for the turn. Okay, yeah. Just for the round. So if you use this as an opportunity action, you don't get any more until the start of your next turn. Does that include unlimited opportunity attacks? It includes that. Okay. Yeah. You, so so if you're if you're Citadel. core Citadel, six-step scoundrel, if you use this ability, you don't get any more opportunity attacks that round. Yeah. I think that has a cost to it. Now, that's that's a big upgrade. And, and you, you can't take the shot. You can't do anything if anyone uh, so granted hey, attacks. you can't be granted actions you yes. can't use opportunity attacks yeah i like that i i think i think you would always because the thing is you would always choose to do it yes yeah like you you'd be like well i mean it's basically an opportunity action and i don't take damage it it beats me not doing this so so you you, oh, you also, roll against their attack it's it's also it's also so much fun to think about a situation in which a scoundrel is holding the line mm-hmm. well, only really against one target you know well no, I'm, the... I'm just saying even against multiple part targets the idea of being able to ignore possibly one attack of of three in a round mm-hmm. that's pretty big like that could it's be big. a lot it's big 
Like, it's not going to keep them up indefinitely. Like, a Citadel will just sit there. But you could do a lot. Just makes me think of, like, Jackie Chan. Yeah. Yeah, very much. Oh, I don't want no trouble. <laughs> what was the... Uh, Mike was telling us about a meme where it says, uh, it says, who would win the fight, uh, Jackie Chan or Bruce Lee? And they're like, Bruce Lee. Obviously, he's fighting. He's like, hold on. Are there any ladders in the room? <laughs> I was going to say. No, it's, 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 in a, uh, it's in a ladder factory. And it, they're it, like, oh. Are they at a ladder factory? Is Mr. Chan holding a baby? <laughs> and does he or does he not want any trouble? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, those are the deciding factors. If he has a baby in a ladder factory and he doesn't want any trouble, he yeah. wins. Game over. Yeah. <laughs> Through plot armor. Yeah. I love I love that that's his lane. Where yeah. he's just that's that's Jackie Chan. Uh okay. America could never figure out. They're like, "All right, we're going to bring him to America and we're going to jump cut." It's like, well, "No, he he just no, show let him. him hit. Just show him for like 3 minutes on camera." Mm-hmm. Now nah, we'll cut it up like 20 times. Ugh. All right, so I like that. Um and let's just throw in a trap. I think that'd be enough, yeah. right? Cuz that oh. we just call that redirect. Yeah. Right. Mhm. Cuz I think Citadel, if you're using a shield, you can deflect. Uh, it's it's similar. You can deflect, but this one's just... It has to be an adjacent enemy, which rewards you for being in melee as a scoundrel, which is good. And it deals damage. It's it's all that flavor. How about how about if there is no adjacent enemy, it just deals no damage? Like, you've dodged it, essentially. Yeah. Okay. Right? S- still useful against a single target. Good. Yeah. If useful the range. Ad- here's the thing, and I, I want this to be true. If the adjacent enemy is the one who makes the attack, I think they should be able to do it. Hmm, I don't know. That may be too good. That's probably too good. But also, if they're shooting a fireball at you, you're not. So I think the you're fl- not striking. You're wait. You're not. You're back. batting it back at yeah. them. You are. You are just pulling a different enemy into its path instead of you. You know what I mean? Or or you presented a target that was that was going to hit one of their allies, and they they went for it, and you moved out of the way, and it hit the ally. So. Like Citadel, I, I think you can bat. I, actually, you can bat I back. almost and rather than redirect because if the if the if the idea is that they're they're pulling and using movement instead mm-hmm. of actually striking the target, mm-hmm. then I think it should be called Let's Dance rather than rather than redirect because it's not really redirecting. He's not changing right. the path of the attack. He's he's putting in the fancy footwork. What what is there's got to be a word for for that when you when you make enemies target each other friendly fire yeah there's probably a fencing term for it right no because fencing's 1v1 yeah but i just mean like redirecting an attack well, this like that. parry and repost is yeah we, we use we use that for them mm-hmm. um lure entice induce enticing lure invigil is that i <laughs> don't like that word <laughs> i've never heard that i do not like that word tempt yeah i like tempt. yeah yeah tempting target or something yeah uh Tempting flourish. Well, well, tempting. You're what you're doing. It's a reaction, right? So you're going to say yeah. like, "How about bait?" Right? Uh, yes. Uh, uh, so we could just call it bait. Bait. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to bait them. Yeah. I'm going to bait them. Yeah. Okay. Done. We'll call it uh, baiting. B a i t i n g. Yep. I'm going to use my baiting, and then. And I'm going to go home. Do some baiting. Yes. All right, and now a trap. Trap bait. So my idea for a trap, I don't know if it's plausible, would be the opposite of being slowed, where it would immediately force you to move your full speed in a direction. 
That's fun. We we had those. Remember, we, we an artifact, like an artifact we had where it was just a little rocket you put, or the pushing yeah. stones, yeah, yeah. stuff mm-hmm. like that. This would be like you step on I, it. I think and this all would be like you, a straight up springboard. Like you have, to, <laughs> like you, that's all it would be. You have to move eight squares in like this direction, no matter what. Oh, like a cat, like a floor catapult. <laughs> I was just thinking Bugs Bunny style. No, that's okay. Let's let's like, straight up think Bugs being, Bunny. What's the opposite of being slowed? Suddenly being launched. Yeah. We got the anvil. Oh no, we grand, don't. Grand piano. We don't. That I was on. gonna say we don't have to think of Bugs Bunny. We have the perfect example. It is Wiley motherfucking Coyote, baby. It's true. That is what we're going for. So yeah, I I, I like the idea of a spring trap. That's cool. Um, Ooh. Okay. What if you could choose the direction? Right. So it can go straight up. Yes. Oh, it can go diagonal, but it, it'll move them a maximum of eight spaces. Yeah. Yeah. Spring trap. Done. I like the guy that's running forward, and all of a sudden it just gets Boop. launched. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you could. Yeah, launch it back, launch it forward, because because there's no way you're being launched and making a coordinated attack. You're. You, I don't think you can. And do if you that. happen to land in the same space as one of your allies, then something should happen. And yeah. it only works on objects your size or smaller. smaller. So yeah, it's designed around your your wait so you could essentially be like oh shit we can't get anything over this wall Bling. i'm gonna drop i'm gonna drop this thing on my spring trap and send it up and uh traps already are have their own yep. rulings and, and limitations so we'll just say you get a new trap you get the spring trap i just thought you would use the i would abuse the hell oh out my of the what, if, what if your champion was able to fling over the line of scrimmage to now be in the rear it's so to, good what to pull uh what what's the johnny rico move Oh, flip six. Flip six, yeah. Something. We could, we could just call it the Bo Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> what was it? It was his final game against Alabama. He oh, yeah. Do- he just, they just handed him the ball, and he jumped and he over jumped both over, lines. Yeah. Yeah. That would be terrible. If Bo Jackson was running at you with a sword, it's like, yeah. that's a nightmare. No. And it, and he here's the thing. He would jump over you, and you'd be like, well, this is not, like, this isn't, yeah. he's not running from me. That's yeah. not how this is going. Nope. Even, like, Wilt Chamberlain with a sword. Yeah. <laughs> like, God damn. LeBron James with a sword. Yeah. Shit, that should be our... That's my... Hello, Boston. <laughs> We're LeBron James with a sword. <laughs> yeah. That's terrifying. He is so fucking huge. Yeah. And jumping, like... just And, and still... We, like, it, it, like what LeBron, the, what, LeBron James is huge and still in control of his body. Yeah. He is... Is he currently the most impressive athlete in the world? He might be. He's, I don't know, because there's... I would be way more scared of him with a sword than Hafthor Bjornsson with a sword. Yes. I am excited about that fight, though. Oh, him and Eddie Hall? Yeah. Just two giant dudes hitting each other? I will pay to watch that. I don't know. Like, I don't know anything about either one of them. But... I, I think Eddie Hall is probably a better boxer, but Hafthor has like 50 pounds on him and a full foot of reach. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So I don't know. And looks like he's built for stamina more. Yeah. I just, I just want to watch it. I do too. Yeah. Well, they used to do the sumo wrestling. In the are they? Songs, um, man. Are they gonna just fight each other with tree trunks? Is that the idea? Oh, please. <laughs> like, who can just pick up the biggest tree trunk gets to use it? I think Haftor is much younger. Yeah. As well, right? Yeah. He's like I think twenty five or something. I was gonna. Yeah. I, I think twenty seven now. Oof. Because what? I remember. I remember they said how old he was when he got on Game of Thrones the first time, but he's like one of the youngest people on set. Yeah. And they're like. You look like a fucking monster, though. Yeah. All right. I think one step six is enough for today. Also, that was a hell of a step six. Yeah. Because I, I feel like we, we did that. We started doing the zealotry stuff, 
and uh, what was the other one where I was like, ooh, that's a big get. Like, that's a big step. I was like, oh, what are we going to do for some of these other guys? And we're like, nope, this is amazing. Just stick with this, yeah. Yeah. All right, guys, that's where we're going to end today. I want to thank Liam and Max for joining me. Thank you. You're welcome, baby. And we will I see you I need to stop soon. saying baby. <laughs> saying baby too much. Hanging out with Tony. Mm-hmm. Tony. Brother and baby. He's getting in that, like, Van Halen mode. Nice. I've never been in a Van Halen mode. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If the game we're making sounds interesting to you, check us out at patreon.com slash RPGFS. $1 patrons get access to the cutting room floor, where all of the off-topic comedy that was cut out of episodes is curated for your enjoyment. $2 patrons get the updated character sheets that they can use to make their own characters in our system. $5 patrons get access to every rulebook we release as we update them. $10 patrons get to create custom NPCs for use in our actual play podcast, Layliners. Also, if you enjoy the show, please rate and review us on Podchaser and Apple Podcasts. Every review helps. If you want to reach out to us with your gameplay ideas, please comment on our Patreon or tag us on Twitter. We are at Homebrew Ombres. Thank you all again, and until next time, stay safe, stand watch, and get a full rest. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.